God, our God, how we long for your blessing. How I long for your blessing to be poured out in the lives of everyone in this room. But Father, more than anything that we long for from you, Lord, we need your presence. We need you. It really is true, Father, that you come where you're wanted. And so, Heavenly Father, may we declare unequivocally today that we not only want you, but that we need you. Come, Holy Father, move. Breathe, Holy Spirit, change our lives. Stir us afresh, Lord Jesus, and renew us. And may we join our voices with the voices of all the saints down through the ages who have cried out, Come, Lord Jesus, come. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Anybody else here today feeling like you could use God's blessing in your life? You know, I was reminded this week of that saying from Corey Tin Boom, who said this. <clears throat> If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. It's almost like she's a prophet. When I look around at our world, an article about Gen Z. Have you, have you heard of Gen Z? Gen Z, you need to think of those that are between the age of 13 and 26. There's a bunch of you in here. There's a bunch of you that missed it by that much. And this is what it said about Gen Z in our world right now. 61% of them feel nervous, on edge, or anxious just about all the time. 71% of them are worried about the future. 91% of them feel high stress. And the majority of Gen Z do not believe the future is going to be any better. And then I read another article that was about Generation Alpha. Generation Alpha are those that are even younger than Gen Z, think children, into their early teens. And this article described how they struggle the most of any generation with loneliness and isolation. And that anxiety and the depression that we saw spike in Gen Z is actually on the increase in the youngest generation. When you look at the world, you'll be distressed. And then you look at things like depression. 
One in ten students are depressed to the point of an inability to function well. One study I read said that women are twice as likely to be struggling with depression as are men. And I figure that's because they have to deal with us men. One in five in the youngest generation struggle with suicide ideation. And in the elderly, one in four experience anxiety and depression, and they are the least likely to get any help. And 60% of those who are depressed never do get help. I tell you, look around at the world. You look inside, and it's just overwhelming at times. But those are just statistics. They're just statistics. Until it's your son, or it's your daughter, or it's your grandchild, or it's your friend that is struggling, or it's you. And you're absolutely overwhelmed. Do you feel the heaviness in this world? Does it, does it press in upon you? If you do, let me just say to you, you are in the right spot and you are ready to hear the third word, the last words that Jesus spoke from the cross because that is exactly how it felt that morning when those hammers would ring out and the nails were driven into his flesh. You just need to know. He was broken for you and for me. So let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. We're going to be reading in verse 25 there in just a moment. And while you're finding John 19, you could also put a finger over on Matthew 12 because we're going to be there in just a bit as well. And while you're looking for those two passages, let me just introduce myself to you. If we've not yet met, my name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here. And I would love to meet you out in the commons in the next area um, after this service. Listen, last week I got to meet some new folks. I'm time with Bill because he took the time to fill out that digital connect card and we were able to connect this week. We ask everybody to fill out that digital connect card. The easiest way to get to it is to use your phone, scan that QR code that's on the bottom of your listening guide and then that will take you to our weekly program. At the top there's a link to the digital connect card. We ask you to fill that out so that we can connect with each other and if you do that, the first and the second time that you do that, we make an additional $10 donation to a local ministry partner. So just by filling that out, you get to be a blessing to someone else. So let me encourage you to do that. Now, let me remind you before I read where we are in this series. We're looking at the last words of Jesus from the cross. The first words that he spoke on the cross were these words, Father, forgive them. And let me tell you, that's really important, especially when you realize I am them and you are them. He was praying for you, Father, forgive them. 
And last week, we looked at the words, today you will be with me in paradise. And as we looked last week, those words weren't just for the guy, the criminal that was on the cross. That's a promise that can be yours as well. And listen, church, last week we saw four people step into faith commitments. Two of them were baptized last Sunday, and two more, one that you saw baptized earlier and one more that will be baptized in the next service. And so today could be your opportunity as well. Here's the thing I want you to see in this series, that every word that Jesus spoke then, it was not just to those that were there, there then, it is words that are spoken to you here and now and so my question for you as i get ready to read is simply this are you listening are you listening for what jesus is going to say to you as we read together john 19 beginning with verse 25 and it says this standing near the cross were jesus's mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Dear woman, here is your son, here is your mother. Well, surely those words are just for them, right? I mean, this is, this is highly personal that Jesus speaks to his mother and to the disciple John. Can you imagine the emotion of that moment? L let me just ask it this way. Are there any mamas in the house? What would you feel as a mother in that moment if that's your son what did mary feel well it's it's a vast oversimplification but what she felt was hurt deep profound hurt and again this week i just say to you you got to begin in the hurt and maybe if you noticed each week of this series so far, we, we begin in the hurt. And I'm guessing that's just the way of the cross. It was a deeply painful place. And even Mary had to begin in the hurt. And I want you to notice what it says, where she was. In verse 25, it says, standing near the cross. That word standing means more than just, you know, being vertically upright it's a word that literally means steadfast it means abiding it means always there and you know when you go back and begin to think about 
the life that Mary has had, the journey that Mary has been on up to this moment at the cross with Jesus, that's a great word to describe her. I mean, at the very beginning, remember when the angel came to her and told her that she was going to give birth to the long-awaited Messiah? Man, Mary was all in. Even as a young girl, a teenager, she said, may everything that you have said about me come true steadfast she's in and then in that Bethlehem stable alone with just Joseph the Bible tells us that when the baby was born she wrapped her son she wrapped her son snugly and then it says that she she kept all these things in her heart She's right there for him. And then at the temple, just, just eight days later, she watches as this old prophet takes her baby in his arms, and he declares, your baby is the glory of Israel. And I imagine just being overjoyed that somebody saw what she knew in her heart but then that old prophet locked eyes with her and said to her and a sword will pierce your very soul I'm thinking she may have even thought of those words as her soul was being rent apart at the crucifixion and don't forget the temple trip you remember Jesus was 12? Do you remember her panic when all of a sudden she realizes that she's not right there beside him? She couldn't find him. And then once he was found, Jesus spoke the words that literally began to change everything for Mary from that point forward. Jesus said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And it would be his father's business that set the trajectory from there forward and it ends by saying, and she stored all these things in her heart. But don't make the mistake of thinking that the journey that Mary had had all through life with Jesus was just nostalgic sentimentality. No, there, there was tension. I think there, was, there were times of significant tension. Maybe one of those times was, do you remember the first miracle? The wedding at Cana. And Mary comes to Jesus with the announcement and says, Jesus, they have run out of wine. This is mortifying to our friends. And Jesus looked at his mother and said, Woman, what does that have to do with me, right? I, I'm thinking there was some tension there. Do you remember what Mary did? She turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And you know what? He did. He did. But you know, I think Jesus might have rolled his eyes at his mother right at that moment. Go do this, mom, you know. And then there's that time in Matthew 12. Mark's the one that actually kind of sets the context best when he tells the story. In Mark chapter 3, it says that there were these rumors that were going around about Jesus, that Jesus was possessed of a demon. And then right after he says that, he says, oh, and there was that one time that we're about to read, and we're going to read it from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse um, 46. 
and this is what it says it says then yep i went one one chapter too many matthew 12 verse 46 says this as jesus was speaking to the crowd his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him someone told jesus your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you and jesus asked who is my mother who are my brothers and then he pointed to his disciples and said look these are my mother and brothers and anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother now again let, let me let me talk to the mamas in the room when he said who is my mother do you think there was any sting I think sure there had to be but the truth is she was there out of love she'd heard all these things about Jesus folks were saying he's possessed of a demon he's crazy well if he's crazy he's, he's her crazy and she's come to get him she's gonna stick right with him but then we come to this day this horrible day and there she is standing near him maybe as close to him as she could possibly get to him because that's all she could do she stood firm by him and you know you would do the same for your kids you just would you stand as best you can it's interesting that word stand is actually the same word that's used in first corinthians 16 13 when it says this be on guard stand firm in your faith be courageous be strong and i love how the message translates it when it said give it all you've got be resolute and love without stopping that's what you see in mary she's gonna love without stopping and here's the thing that I know today there are some of you in this room who when I say begin in hurt you're already feeling significant hurt in your life there's deep pain in your hurt in, in your life and there are many of you that, that feel overwhelmed and the brokenness of the world out there isn't the brokenness that you feel. It's, it's a brokenness in your life. And you are literally doing the best you can to pick up the pieces. Is there anybody out there feeling like that? Are any of you in a place in your life where you're hurting? Listen, the first thing that we want to do when we find ourselves in that place is we want to escape. We want to get away. But could I suggest to you that when the brokenness of this world breaks itself upon you, the goal cannot be to escape. 
The goal needs to be to rise up and stand firm and get close to Jesus and then do not be moved from him. It's kind of like that Red Sea story. Do you remember? The children of Israel. They finally get to escape from the slavery of Egypt. And they are headed to the land of milk and honey. Man, it could not be any better. But then word comes, the worst has not yet happened. Because they find out that the army of Pharaoh is coming full speed ahead. All of his chariots are on high alert, and they are bearing down on them. And do you remember what God said to them right there beside the Red Sea? Exodus 14, 13, God said this, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. And let me tell you, when you are hurting, you might want to escape, but what you need to do is stand still and look at how God can work even in the pain. When you stand firm like Mary, you won't stand alone when you stand with Jesus. So do not give up. Do not give in. Begin in the hurt and make a stand. And so I want us to do something today. Right now, in this room, there are some of you that are hurting. You're really hurting. And you're carrying some heavy stuff. And I just want to say this. You don't have to stand alone. You just don't. In fact, you know what this place is that you've come to today? What do we call this? We call it a church. And you know what the Bible describes the church as? It's called the body of Christ. And let me tell you, that's, that's more than just good theology. It's who we are to be to each other. We are to be the body of Christ to each other. And so if you are hurting, you need to be near the body of Christ, and the body of Christ needs to be near you. And so this is what I want us to do. I want us to take a moment, and we're going to have a time of prayer, just a brief time. And I want to give you opportunity to literally stand with those that are hurting. And so what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you're hurting today. You're not going to have to tell anybody what it is, what's going on. I just want you to say, yep, it's me. And so let me just go first. It is me. I'm hurting. And I know some of you are hurting. And I don't want you to hurt alone or to hide or try to escape. I want you to discover that the bruised and bloodied body of Christ still moves near you to stand with you, to love you, to empower you through the hurt. So let me ask you, if you're hurting today,
would you like me just raise your hand and say yeah it's me just hold it up no, no Baptist hand raising we're all Pentecostals today all right look around this room all around this room keep them up keep them up so now let me ask you to do this there are people who've got their hands up all around you let's move to them literally get up on your feet move to them surround them and I'm going to pray over all of us right now just get up and move you can lay a hand on a shoulder we don't want anybody alone keep those hands up so we can see and we're going to be the body of Christ to each other so if you see a hand you move it's your call so that we can pray over them stand near them stand over them and then as I pray you pray as well God we cannot fully imagine the hurt that Mary must have felt that day we cannot fully imagine the hurt that was expressed in every raised hand in this room right now but God I know this you know and you are not absent and you are present and you are able to not only come to us in the pain but you are able to help us break through the hurt and so father whatever that hurt is we pray that these who are hurting would find in your church people that stand with pray for and encourage each other we pray this in Jesus name amen and you can go back to your seats let me just tell you on any given week you are around people that are hurting and are broken be on high alert you got to begin in the hurt but then secondly you need to break through the hurt when Jesus spoke these words to Mary woman here's your son let me tell you what I think he was saying I think what he was saying to Mary was this mother I'm right here and I got you and I got this now on the surface this exchange is just Jesus doing what he was supposed to do as the oldest son it was his responsibility to fulfill the obligation of caring for his older mother and so he was transferring her care from himself to John and church tradition tells us that John did indeed care for Mary for the rest of his rest of her life but it was more than just caring for her he's breaking through the pain so how do you and I break through the pain in our life the hurt in our lives three things number one you got to get close you got to get close not only 
was Mary standing near the cross. Her standing near is in direct and clear contrast to everyone else in Jesus' life at the cross. Luke tells us, Luke 23, 49 says, But Jesus' friends, including the women who had been following him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. They all stood at a distance, but Mary stood near. And listen, when you are hurting, you just need to draw all the closer to the Lord. It, it always strikes me that the disciples are missing at the cross. I, I mean, other than John, John's there, but, but the rest of them have disappeared. And it's easy in our hurt to even get mad at God and move away from God. We begin to think things like, well, God, how, how could you allow this? Or, or God, if you didn't cause this, how, 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 how are you all right with this coming into my life? But listen to what James 4, 8 says. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and this world. Now listen, that verse does not mean that our sin is the cause of all the hurt in our life, but it is telling us that our sin might be the reason that we've drifted from God. Come close to God, and He will come close to you. Let me ask you, when was the last time in your life that you repented? When was the last time that you honestly repented before God? When was the last time that, that you expressed to God your longing for His presence in your life? That you asked Him to come close to you? Not just because you needed anything, but because you were so aware that you need Him. That you called out to God and said, I, I want you to come close to me, and I will turn from anything that's, that's putting a wedge between me and you. At the end of our service today, we're going to have a response time. And let me just say, if you're hurting, if your family is hurting, if you're feeling the weight of the world and the brokenness, what I'm calling you to do is simply this, come close to God, and God will Come close to you. Don't stand at a distance. Make a move. Get close. And then secondly, get connected. If you want to break through the hurt, you've got to get close and get connected. Mary didn't stand alone, did she? No, listen to what verse 25 said it said standing near the cross were jesus mother and his mother's sister mary the wife of clopas mary magdalene and then the gospel of matthew also mentions mary the mother of james and joseph and then the mother of uh, the zebedee brothers it, this was like this is mary's small group and almost all of them were were named mary so apparently it was the mary's small group they're very specific in those days but here's the point. It doesn't matter who they were. The point is she is not alone. She, she is not alone. And loneliness and isolation 
have become pandemic in our world right now. More people are lonely and isolated than ever before. And you know what? Satan absolutely loves it because it makes his work so easy. He can wreak havoc in your life if you don't have people standing with you. Listen, it is not coincidental that we are the loneliest generations that have ever been and we're also the most anxious generations. Those things go together. It's not coincidental that we're the most isolated generations and the most depressed generations. Those things go together. If you want to break through, you have to get connected. So let me be practical here. First thing I would say to you is you need a church family. Listen, it does not have to be this church family, but you need a church family. You need a place where you are committed, where you know this is my people. And if that is this church, you're going to figure it out in your heart. And let me encourage you to take that step. Join the family. That's what we are. It's all about family. And listen, by the way, next Sunday is our first steps class and that's our membership class it's at 9 30 this hour over here in the adult wing and you can sign up on your digital connect card you can come to the next steps area and sign up you can tell one of us you could just show up if you want to but you need your people you need a tribe you need family and while membership is an important first step, it's just a first step. And the truth is you need more than that. That's why we always tell you, you need a group. We all need people in our lives who really know us. And they like us anyway. Wouldn't that be great? That people really know you and they still like you? Listen, who are your people? Who is it that stands with you in your hurt? Now, I know oftentimes we have an excuse for not being connected, not being too involved, not getting too vulnerable, and that excuse is because we've been hurt. I get it. And many of us, it's because I've been church hurt. I know. Me too. But you know what I see God doing across the 16 years that I've been here at New Word Fellowship? It is like God has created in this place a tribe of church hurt folks. We have all been church hurt and wounded. And God brought us together as wounded and broken people to care for people in this world that are wounded and broken so maybe maybe during this response time that we're going to have in a minute maybe maybe you need to come not just to get closer to jesus maybe it's time for you to make a commitment that you know what no more excuses i'm going to get connected i need to be connected and maybe you need to come and just ask the Lord to begin opening some doors for you. And so you could talk to an elder or you can talk to a pastor or one of the others that are going to be here and make a commitment that, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm getting connected. To break through the hurt, you got to get close. you got to get connected. And the third thing that's required is you've got to get courageous. 
Now, John is the only disciple at the cross. Does that bother anybody else but me? I mean, really, it, it kind of bothers me. I want to ask, where is Simon the Zealot? I mean, if you're going to be called the Zealot, it seems to me you ought to be there in moments like this. Or where's Peter? The night before, he's wielding a sword, and now he's in hiding. Where's Andrew? He was the guy that was always bringing people to Jesus, and now he's not anywhere to be seen. Where are they? They're hiding. So I give kudos to John. John was there, and that took some courage. And I guess we shouldn't be too hard on the others as well because the truth is they were probably very young. Many suspect that they were most of them would have been teenagers. I read somewhere recently that John is believed to have been the youngest of all. It's, it's speculation. We don't, have any, we don't have any birth certificates, but I think it's good speculation. He, he was probably very young. And listen, when I look at the condition that our world is in, and I consider the way that God has worked down through the ages, the way that I see him working in Scripture, one of the things that I've noticed is that when things in the world get really bad, God tends to raise up a new generation and taps those that are young of heart to lift high the banner of Christ, and he does it over and over again. So when I hear all of those statistics, and when I see all of the hurt in this world, it gets really heavy, but then I begin to think of things like what we've seen recently that happened at Asbury and the revival that, that has broken out and has gone beyond Asbury. Could it just be that maybe God is about to make a move in this land that so desperately needs a move? And then last week I saw the movie Jesus Revolution. And by the way, if you haven't seen it, you ought to see it. It's all about the Jesus movement of the 1960s and the 1970s. And whether or not you know it or not, churches today like new work fellowship the truth is the way we do church is actually a direct result of the movement that god did in that generation do you see it? god tends to tap those young generations in fact this week i was reading in the book of judges and i probably told you before that judges is one of my least favorite books it just seems like there's this rampant evil and it's the same cycle over and over again god raises up a deliverer and for a little while they do well and then they fall away and as i was reading in judges this week i saw something i hadn't seen before you have one after another and then there's this phrase that kept being repeated and then they had 40 years of peace do you know what 40 years is it's a generation and i realized what I'm reading in Judges is God's patience and God's mercy as generation after generation he raises up people, young people, to spark the return to God. And listen, when I look at this world, I'm inclined not to believe the lie that our God is absent or that this world is without hope. I believe that Jesus is still coming. He's still moving. His spirit is not weak and impotent. He is here and stirring something afresh in the next generation. And so my question to you is, would you be courageous? Would you fully surrender? Are you fully available? Would you pray that God would do something in this generation? That God would do that right now? That God would do that right here? Like young John, would you be courageous enough to take a stand for Jesus Christ? 
and to call out upon him. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Let me ask you, is that you? Are you ready during this time of response? Let me encourage you and invite you, if nothing else, just to come and pray that God would pour out renewal on the hearts of his people. Listen, some of you, some of you were here last week, and all week long you've been kicking yourself because you knew you needed to take a step of faith. You needed to step into the baptismal waters, and all week long you've been regretting it. I want you to know we're ready for you again this week, and you can make that decision. Won't you make a stand that God would break through? But let me tell you, there's one thing that stands in the way of all of that happening. It's our pride. It's our pride. And maybe that's where repentance begins. Repenting of our pride so that God would move. Let me invite you today during this time of response to come as if you were coming to the cross, to get close, to get connected, to get courageous that God might move. Would you stand with me as we pray? God, you tell us in your word that you're looking through the whole earth for people whose hearts are fully committed. God, I pray that that would happen right here, right now, today. That we would be all in We pray this in Jesus' name.